graphic up, and, and uh, I, 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 I like that picture. And, and I'm, I'm I, I, a mother holding a little child. It's, it's very important that we do this. Uh, a couple of years ago, somebody mentioned to me, they said, we really shouldn't celebrate Mother's Day because there are some women, and, and I, I recognize this, there are some women who have not been able to have children or who have lost children or some who had, you know, uh, have difficulties, and so it, it, it would feel kind of bad for them, so let's not celebrate it. And I, my response to them, and my, my sharing that with you, if you've had that sentiment, I, 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 I am not minimizing any person by who has not had a child, but we want to acknowledge those who have. You know, we are all, even if we've not been a mother, we've all had a mother. We've all known mothers, and, and we, we want to take some moments to acknowledge them, and this morning I want to share. You know, there are, we, we recognize in a few weeks we're going to celebrate fathers on Father's Day. We, we uh, even if you're not a father, you, you, you're going to come and be blessed by that, and uh, uh, we acknowledge veterans. Not everyone is a veteran, but we, we acknowledge those who have served in our armed forces. That's not to minimize anyone else. We, we celebrate the 4th of July, Independence Day, our nation's birthday. Even if you're not a, uh, a citizen of the United States, you're, you're welcome. We're glad that you're here, but we, we do these things. And so it's very important that we acknowledge mothers, and we do so this morning there are many good examples of mothers in the Bible that we could highlight on Mother's Day. There are so many really excellent examples of mothers. Uh, I mentioned earlier Hannah was Samuel's mother. And, and what, a, what a, an example, great example of a woman of faith who trusted God as a mother. Or here's a less known name, Jochebed, which you, you may not recognize that name, but you would recognize her son's name, and that is Moses. Moses was, you know, one of those key figures in the Old Testament, great hero of the Old Testament. His mother's name was Jochebed. She was the woman who trusted God greatly with her, with her family, with her children. There are a lot of other examples of women who raised remarkable children who then went on to do remarkable things. We could find many, many examples here of remarkable women who raised remarkable children who then went on to accomplish remarkable things. But not all children are so remarkable. Some sons and some daughters in the Bible examples that we could find, some sons and some daughters in the Bible turned away from God, for a, at least for a period of time. You can find, and that's one of the reasons why I love the Bible so much, is it doesn't only give the good examples, it, it, it shows kind of the really tough examples as well. And there are, there are some children who were raised by mothers who walked away from God. There are some children who made destructive choices that injured themselves or others. You can find a lot of examples in this book of people like that. There, there are many children who broke the hearts of mothers and fathers. For example, Eve was the first woman and, of course, then she was the first mother. Eve, Adam's wife, 
She had, the Bible says that she had many children with Adam, but the first recorded children were her sons. Their, their names were Cain and Abel. Now, if you think about this for a moment, and maybe you never did, think of how difficult it was for Eve to be a mother. She did not have the ability, like many mothers do today, to look back to their childhood and say, how did my mom do it? That's how I'll do it. She didn't have a mother. She couldn't call her mother. She couldn't call her mother-in-law. She couldn't call an aunt. She couldn't call someone else. No one had written a book. No one had any advice for her on motherhood. Maybe that was good. I don't know. But think of how challenging it must have been. What do I do now? What do you do with this kid? If you've ever asked that question, I'm sure that Eve asked it many, many, many times. Eve had it challenging. Genesis chapter 4, verse 2, briefly describes her sons. It says, Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. That simply means that the, of these two sons that are, are recorded, uh, the, one raised crops and one raised livestock. Uh, put it in terms that we would use, one was a rancher and one was a farmer. They, they had different skills, both very important, but, but very, very different and I mention that because one day the Bible tells us that, that both of the sons came and prepared a sacrifice to God. The Bible says that, that uh, Abel brought a, an animal sacrifice and Cain brought a, a, a produce sacrifice. It was, a, it was an offering and both in their specialty and that's why I mentioned about what they did. They both brought these offerings, but the Bible says, and that's stuff for another sermon on why God favored one over the other, but the Bible says that, that God favored Abel's offering of an animal sacrifice, but not Cain's offering of a produce sacrifice. What is recorded is Cain's reaction. It's in Genesis 4, verse 5. It says this, Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Think about that for a moment. It's kind of descriptive, isn't it? it, it what, was, what was going on in his heart and in his mind registered on his face, and some of you can relate to that. Uh, Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. By the way, I want to add this in. This is the first, though it's not the last time in the Bible, that someone was angry at God who then directed that anger at someone else. Now you think about that for a moment. This is the first time in recorded history where someone was actually angry at God, but they directed it at someone else. If you realize that, if you think about it, a lot of the anger that people have at times is really they're angry at God, but they directed it at someone else. This is the first time. In fact, he was so angry, he was so angry, Genesis chapter 4 verse 8 reads this way, Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field, and while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel, and he killed him. This is premeditated, planned out ahead of time murder. Now, I don't know if he planned to murder him. Maybe he just planned on attacking him. Maybe because no one had died yet. This is the first recorded death. Maybe, maybe he just wanted to smack him alongside the head and get his attention, express his frustration and anger at, at God towards this brother. But, but the end result was that the, his brother died. He killed him. 
Because of this sin, God, the Bible says, God drove Cain away from his people. He became a marked man. Now, we know about this story, but for a moment, think about Eve. Think about that mother. You know, we often think, boy, it must have been hard being Cain. No, think of his mother, because on that day, Eve lost two sons. Abel was dead, he was not coming back, and Cain was an outcast. The Bible doesn't record her grief. It doesn't go into detail about her grief, but motherhood is seldom easy, but it's often very difficult to be a mother. If you can, maybe, maybe if you're a mother, you can relate to this a little bit more. One son, I'll never see him again because he's an outcast. Another son who's dead. Boy, sometimes it's hard being a mom. So a lot of generations passed, and a woman named Rebecca married a man named Isaac. Isaac, by the way, was the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of the Jewish people. Rebecca marries Abraham's son, Isaac. Eventually, after a long period of time, they conceived and Rebecca gave birth, not to one child, but to two children, to twin boys. Their, name, their names were Jacob and Esau. Now, a lot could be said about Jacob and Esau. Let me just put it this way. They were very, very different from each other. From, from, from day one, literally moment one, They were as different as could be, not only in appearance, but also in temperament. These these boys were were really on the far ends of the spectrum of difference. They were also rivals. They they did this a lot. Don't raise your hands, but how many parents know what it's like to have kids who kind of compete against one another, push against them? Sometimes there's sparks that fly. Well, this, this is one of those examples In Genesis chapter 25, it tells us that Jacob swindled Esau's birthright with a bowl of soup. Two chapters later, Jacob stole his brother's blessing from their father. You can read the story later. It's an epic story. The Bible says that when when this blessing was stolen, when the one brother, Jacob, tricked the father into blessing him and giving this blessing that could not be revoked, when he essentially tricked and deceived his father into blessing him instead of the rightful one, his older brother, older by just a few moments, the Bible says that Esau was so angry, he vowed to kill his brother. So the Bible says that Jacob ran for his life. A little bit different than Cain and Abel, but again, you have these two brothers who are so opposed from each. From that day forward, from that day forward, Rebecca's heart was broken over not just one of her sons, but both of her sons. Again, we often look at Jacob or Esau and, and how difficult it must have been for them. And, and we go off into looking at their story, but think for a moment what it was like to be Rebecca. Who, who this mother who, who gave birth to both children, who raised them, nursed them, cared for them, helped them, taught them, and then sees them wanting to kill each other. Again, sometimes it's really hard being a mother. One more brief example. It's from the book of Judges, chapter 13. Again, much later, this mother's name is never given. 
Her name is not recorded in Scripture, but you may know something about her son. Judges chapter 13, verse 24 says, The woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. He grew and the Lord blessed him. Samson was that man that God supernaturally used to to do miraculous feats of strength. It was not in his physical ability. I don't believe that he was muscle-bound. The Bible says that the Spirit of God would come upon him and he would do things that were physically impossible to do. It was the Spirit of God. Now, if you think about this for a moment, and by the way, in the Old Testament, on very few occasions in the New Testament from the day of Pentecost forward, you will see the Spirit of God coming upon many, many people, in fact, upon all believers. But in the Old Testament, only a few occasions does it say that the Spirit of God came upon people. Think of how it was for that mother. Her name, again, is not mentioned in Scripture, but think how it would be for that mother to say, Spirit of God comes upon my son. I don't know if she told people, but maybe she did, you know, oh, you know, my son, you know, my son, Samson, you know, that one guy who does, you know, the thing with the gates and, you know, the foxes and, you know, kills people with the jawbone of a donkey. Yeah, yeah, him, the spirit of God comes on him. I don't know if she said that, but she was, she was proud. That's her boy. It's her son. Something happens with him. God does something with him that he has not done in such a way with anyone else that we've ever known. How proud that mama rightfully so, must have been. But in time, again, the Bible tells us that Samson began compromising with their nation's enemy, the Philistines. The Philistines were the sworn enemy of the Jewish people. They wanted to kill them. They wanted to wipe them out. They were like one of the first groups of people that wanted to annihilate the Jewish people. There have been many since then, but, but this was one of the first. They wanted to wipe them out. And Samson, a good Jewish boy, now starts fraternizing with the enemy. And then Samson, a few verses later, it says Samson lied to his parents. He deceived his parents. And then later on it records that Samson was sleeping with a prostitute. And then he met a woman named Delilah. If you know anything about Samson's story, you know something about her. How how she tricked him into giving up his secrets. Although, come on, Samson, you should have known. You should have seen this coming. He he wasn't just tricked. He kind of gave himself up. He gave up his secrets to her. She had his hair cut, and that was connected to the, the blessing of God upon him. And when that happened, the Bible says the Spirit of God left him. It's one of the saddest verses in all of Scripture, where it says the Spirit of, he did not know that the Spirit of God left him. The Bible goes on to say he was blinded, and he was imprisoned, and he was humiliated, and he was disgraced. You know, we often highlight the misery of Samson. When when you study his story or we talk about his story or there's a lesson or something on his life, we talk about his misery, but what about the woman who bore him? How do you think she felt? We don't know if she lived long enough to see all of that, to see everything that happened to her son, but what she did see was enough to break her heart. Here's this mother who is so proud of her son, who is doing so well, who did so many great things of God, but then, and then he's lying to mom and dad, and he's fraternizing with the enemy, and he's sleeping with prostitutes, and then he hangs around that Delilah, and now he's imprisoned, and he's blinded, and he's humiliated, and he's disgraced. 
I'll tell you, sometimes it's tough being a mom. I'm glad that these are recorded in Scripture, but I want to make it very clear. Not every great person in Scripture, every mother who did it right, their sons, daughters got it right. We see here in the Bible how hard it is at times to be a mother, especially when children make bad choices. When children in various ways and in various degrees reject God's plan. It's hard being a mom when, you're, when your children make choices, they bring shame or grief or heartache to their parents. And that's how it is sometimes. Don't point fingers and be careful about pointing to yourself, but let's just be real here. That's how it is sometimes. Sometimes children do things they never learned at home, or maybe they did learn, maybe they did learn something at home that wasn't good, but they took it to the next evil level. I've seen that happen where mom and dad allow something present in the home or where they, they, they lower some standard and their, and their child takes it to the next level and the next level and the next level. And it's heartache. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking. Ultimately, our children, our generations after them, Ultimately, they, they make their own decisions. I get that. I understand that. You see, there's this thing called our, our free will, our, our ability to make our own decisions. And I know this. I've stood with many of you, and, 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 and you've done many things right, but your children have, have made wrong choices. Those, those choices, those decisions, however, can be so destructive, and, and mom and dad are broken. What I just gave you from Scripture, um, all from the Old Testament, are, are examples but, of this, but it's happened actually countless times. It's happened so many times. I've seen it happen. I've seen even good and godly parents, even good and godly parents who have committed their lives to Christ who've surrendered, who've made that surrender, who, who, who have made that abandonment to the Lord and said, I can't fix, they, they did that at some point in their lives. I've known good and godly parents who teach the right values and read the right materials and, and do the right activities and provide the right opportunities and live the right ways, yet, yet with all of those right things, some sons and some daughters still go wrong ways. I wish it weren't the case. Uh, I, I, I wish it were that if you, if you dedicate them to the Lord, as we did this morning, rightfully so, and you do everything right, they give their hearts to Jesus as a child, and maybe they're baptized at some point, and they sit in a Sunday school class, and they go to, they go to AFA Kids or some other kids' ministry, and and they go through all of the things and you read the Bible at home and you pray over them. I'd like to say that, that if you do all of those things, that A plus B plus C equals D always. It, it's not the case. I, I wish it were. But again, here's, this, here's this, this challenge that we have. Parents doing the right things and yet sons and daughters going wrong directions, left behind our mothers and fathers who are wounded. 
Mothers and fathers who are broken, sometimes, sometimes Mother's Day carries some heartache. This morning, this morning, I want to encourage mothers. There's, there's enough discouragement. There's enough, um, there's enough things that others perhaps say to us or things that, are, are, that we say to ourselves as parents. This morning, I want to encourage mothers. I want to share with you just some very key essentials, and they're so simplistic that you may be tempted to think that, that well, that's just, that's just obvious, but sometimes it's not. I want to share some essentials that can make an eternal difference in your child with the understanding, and even if your child is long away from home, but I, I want to give it with this understanding that it will still be their choice to follow God's ways. It's very important. I want to give you some tools, some very basic essential tools that will, that will increase the opportunities for them to follow Jesus with the understanding with the understanding that they're still ultimately going to make their own decisions. My wife and I, and I, and I say this because my wife and I are really the, uh, the day-to-day um, influence over our children is pretty much done. It's done. Our, our youngest left home uh, three years ago, and we miss him. Don't miss the, the food bill, but I miss, I miss that, you know. Um, uh, 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 but I, 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 I miss that day-to-day intentionality. But I know as a father, my wife knows as a mother that it's, boy, you do everything you can to provide the opportunity with the understanding that they're going to make those decisions themselves. And many of you, many of you have experienced this and know this as well. First of all, give your life to Jesus. If you're a mother here this morning or a mother-to-be or someday you think, man, maybe someday, or maybe, maybe your kids are long raised up and they're moved away from home a long time ago, or I don't know, maybe they still live in the basement. I don't know, but there's, you know. Give your life to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. Surrender your life to Christ this morning. You say, well, that, that's, that's so simplistic, or I've done that. Yeah, but, but as I mentioned earlier, I'm talking about complete abandonment. You see, we cannot see, we cannot influence an, another generation for Christ, and even one beyond that, or two beyond that, depending on your age and the age of your children or grandchildren. We can't influence those next generations until Jesus has first touched us. You want, to make a, you want to make the biggest difference that you can ever make in your family? Surrender your life completely to the Lord Jesus Christ. Completely. Abandoned. Lord, I don't have all the answers, but I, I give my life completely to you. I, 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 I've done it wrong. I've, I've made some really bad choices. But from this day forward, I, I give my life to you. Give your life to Jesus. That's very simple. I, I told you it's very elementary. So here's the second thing. Live for Jesus. I say, what's the difference? Well, giving your life to Jesus is a, is a choice. It is an action. It, it, is, it is an event. There's a, a point at which we surrender our life to Christ, but, but then there are the days, months, and years that follow. And that is that we are called not only to give our lives to Christ, but we are called to 
live for Jesus. This is going to happen in both seen and unseen places. I've learned this for for, for families, um, you can't get away with anything. I mean, your family sees everything, right? Especially if they're smaller kids and they're, they're, you know, they're observant in even a small degree. They're going to they're gonna pick up on everything. And it's really important that especially if you have children at home still or grandchildren around the house, it's really important that they see you live for Jesus Christ. Not just that you live for him, but that they see you live for him. That they observe you following Jesus Christ. And by that, I mean living for Christ not only in the good times because it's relatively easy when, when everything is going well, when you're feeling really well and when there's enough money for everything and, and when your relationships are really good and your mind is really good and everything is really good, it's one thing to serve Jesus then and we should. It's an entirely different thing to serve Jesus Christ in the really, really difficult times. But listen to me, mothers, it's really important that your children see you serve Jesus Christ in those very, very difficult times. They need to see you serve Jesus Christ with great need. I mean, you, 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 you're, you're lacking something. You're lacking some resource. And, and to see, to allow your children, even if they're long away from home, to see you trust in Jesus, even in that place of need, will affect them, will change them. Live for Christ. How about this? Let them, may they see you in sorrow. May they see you in sorrow serve Jesus. Something breaks your heart. Someone passes away. Something breaks. Something is such dark news, and it comes upon you. Your family, your children, your grandchildren, they need to see you serving Jesus in spite of sorrow. They need to see you serve Jesus in disappointment, crushing disappointment. You planned on something. You prepared for something. It was was just there. It was about to happen, and then it didn't happen. And to allow your children to, in that moment, instead of despairing and instead of turning against God or raging against God, to say, I don't understand it. I don't know why, but I still trust. I'll tell you, when your children, the, the generations after you, when they see that, it will affect them, even if they've been away from home for 30 years. Live for Jesus in the especially in the bad times when you are rejected or when you're betrayed by someone. I have a friend who, <clears throat> I have a friend who, whose husband left her when, when their children were just, just at that formative period of time, 15, 16 years old, and her husband just left and ran off with someone else. What a, what a betrayal, what a crushing time. But that mother, God bless her, that mother continued to serve Jesus Christ. And today her children are still trusting in the Lord in large part because of they saw how their mother responded in that most difficult of betrayals. When your grief overwhelms or when the temptation comes, and, and you as a mother are sorely tempted to do something you know is contrary to God's plan, but your children see you say, no, I'm not going to give in to that, how that will affect them. See, we need to live for Jesus. Not just give our lives to Jesus, but to live for him. I read this just a few days ago. It's Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20. 
says, keep your father's commands and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. Here's the thing. Mom isn't always going to teach with her words, but mom needs to teach with her life. And when mama teaches with her life, mama can change generations to come. Give your life to Jesus and live for Jesus. And the third thing is pray with and for your child. Pray with and for your child. Pray over them. Pray over them. Pray over your children. Pray. If you've got little kids at home, sneak into their room when they're sleeping. Don't grab them and shake them and call out to God real loudly. and Give them night terrors. Don't do that. But lay your hands on them and commit them to Jesus. Billy Joe and Odell, it's not just up on a platform, it's laying hands on little Owen and others. Parents, it's, it's committing them to Jesus when they're little. Pray over them before, you, before they go off to school. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah, it's hard to do. It is at first, but do it anyway. Can you imagine what it will do to your ch- child when you lay hands on them or you grab their hand and say, before you go, and they're going, come on, Mom, I need to go. No, we're going to wait, and I'm going to pray over you, and I'm going to lay hands on you, and I'm going to trust God. I'm going to ask God to protect you in every way today. I'll tell you what. And, and then when they come home, say, thank God you're here. And then you pray over a meal, and maybe you have family altar in the morning or at night. Family altar is just a time where you gather around the Word, and you, you, you read the Word together, and you pray together. It's something that, I, that happened to me every morning, every morning growing up. It's something we did with our children every morning growing up. So important. Parents, pray for your child. Okay, they're a long ways away. Pray for them. I got one of these apps on my phone. It's called Find My Friends. Anyone know what that is? It's one of these little apps that, that, that you, you can tell if you're on the same phone system, you can tell where they are. I wish I would have had that like 10 years ago. It's like I pull up this map, and here's this map, and I can see that, well, here, my son's here, my daughter's here, and my son's here. And, and sometimes in the middle of the night, I'll just I'll wake up and and I'll, I'll tap on their picture and it'll zoom down to where they are, where they're sleeping. And I'll just lay my little, my finger, it's not little, I'd lay my finger on them and I'll pray for them. I'll say, oh Lord Jesus. I can't, I can't touch them now. I can't go into their room just a few feet away and lay hands on them like I used to do. But I can still pray for them. Mothers and fathers, pray for your kids. Don't, don't let a day go by without praying for your children. Every day. It's not hard. Start doing it. Pray for them. <coughs> Excuse me. Last night, last night I was doing some reading, and uh, unrelated to this was all done. Uh, I was doing some reading, and Joni came into the room, and she had some tears in her eyes, and and I thought, did I did I forget something? Why didn't I do? No, she's not like that. But uh, she had some little tears in her. She says, I got something. She was going through a box of something, and. Uh, she came across something that her grandmother, that her grandmother had. I have it here. She was carrying this small notebook, and uh, this this was her grandmother's. Her grandmother passed away. My wife's grandmother passed away about uh, eight or nine years ago. She was um, she was uh, she was uh, there. They are. <laughs> Okay, yeah, all right. 
Her grandmother died about nine years ago, and she was like 140 at the time, something like that. (laughs) She's almost 100 years old. She'd be about 108 years old now. And uh, some of you may remember her. We stayed with her in Minneapolis when we went to Nicaragua some years ago. We flew out. Remember, some of you remember her. Godly woman. My wife's grandmother and grandfather were married for like 16 or 17 years. They could not have a child. And uh, finally, they conceived a child, Joni's mother. It was their only child. A lot of years go by. They prayed over her, committed her to the Lord many, many times. And, uh, and then my mother-in-law, their, their daughter, accepted God's call to become a missionary I had never read this until last night about 9 o'clock. It's a prayer journal. It's a prayer journal. In the very last page, I didn't go all the way through, but I just I went to the last page. Sometimes when you go to the last page, you learn a lot of things. And she wrote this. This was a prayer or a statement that she had wrote, and it's in regards to a prayer, and I thought it would be very appropriate that I read this to you. She said, many times I'm asked if how many children I have. I have only one child. Yes, I have only one child. Many times, she wrote, people say they feel sorry for me because my daughter is leaving to become a missionary. This was written in 1974, 44 years ago. Many people feel sorry for me because she's moving so far away. And she wrote this. This is a prayer. If I had more children, I would want them all to go. If I had more children, I would want them all to go. See, that's a prayer that she made. It's a prayer that she made. She prayed for that daughter of hers, my wife's mother. She prayed and, and she committed it. And my, my wife and I read the prayer of this mother, this grandmother. We read this 44 years ago prayer. And we sat in my study at home and we wept because of the prayer of a godly woman who said, if I had even more children, I would want them all to go and serve Jesus as he's called them. You see, here's the thing. That woman is long gone. She's in her eternal reward. But her family is still affected even 44 plus years later. Some of you, some of you right now, You have children that are still at home. And I want to tell you this morning, you keep praying for your kids. You hold them up in prayer. You pray for them. And here's the thing. The answer to prayer, listen to me on this, the answer to prayer may not come until long after you're gone. Bob, you caught me this morning, Bob Luter. Two and a half years ago, their daughter, their oldest daughter, Lexi, went deaf in one ear, completely deaf. She could hear nothing out of one ear. They began praying for her every day, praying for healing for their daughter. She would regain hearing. She's young. She's like late 20s, early 30s, praying for healing for this ear. As many of you know, almost two years ago, Linda passed away. But here's, here's listen to this. This last week, just in the last couple of days, 
70% of her ear, it popped. Something happened. She'd tried everything. She'd gone to many, but something happened in her ear, and now she has 70% hearing in that ear, and we're trusting God for complete healing. See, here's the thing, though. Linda passed away almost two years ago, but you think God heard that prayer? You know that he did. And I use that example with Bob's permission. When he told it to me, I asked him if I could share that. I, some of you are praying, you're praying for your kids and you're saying, oh, Lord, I keep trusting, I keep believing and it's not happening, it's not happening, it's not happening. Here's the thing, somebody like Hannah, excuse me, uh, uh, the, the wife of Manoah, Samson's mother, I don't know if she ever saw her son come back to, to God, but she prayed for it. Pray for your children. To, let me say this, to mothers and fathers, who have children who are right now not walking with Jesus Christ. First of all, God brings prodigals back. It's one of the reasons why that is recorded there in Luke 14 or 15. It's why it's recorded there. God brings prodigals, people who have run from God, God brings them back. And secondly, I pray that that God will touch your heart so that you will not live under the guilt and the condemnation that comes from Satan. There's not a parent here, there's not a mother here this morning that can't look back and say, I wish I would have done that differently. And some do that a lot, and they go, oh, why did I do that? Listen, Jesus' grace is big enough, and he can deliver you from that. That is not of God, that is of Satan, that condemnation. But take that and turn it and say, Lord, now I'm going to pray for my kids. Maybe you came to Christ after your kids were raised or after those very important formative years, but even if they're long ago moved out, even if they live far away, they're still watching you. They're still watching you. I've known some of you that you came to Christ after your parents, excuse me, after your children left. I'll tell you, they're still watching you. They're still watching you, Mom. I always like the rest of the story. And the more, the, more I, uh, the more I read the Bible, the more I realize this is a book of redemption. By redemption, I mean how God can take something really bad and make it really good. That's what this, this is a book about redemption. God taking something really bad and making it really good. That's what he does with people's lives. He redeems them. He takes a life that's really messed up and he makes it really unmessed up. He restores. He redeems Eve had another son. That Eve, the, the first mother, she had another son. His name was Seth. We don't know what, exactly what all happened to Cain. Abel, of course, was dead, but God gave her another son, Seth. And it was out of that son that the people of Israel eventually came. See, God still had a plan for Eve, for that mother. Esau and Jacob, the sons of Rebekah, you can read this later in the book of Genesis. The Bible says that they reconciled they reconciled. They were old, a lot of years passed in between. There were a lot of missed years, but, but God reconciled them. I can't help but believe that there was a mother, even though she never lived long enough to see it, I believe that there was a mother who prayed, oh Lord, bring my sons back together. And he did. Perhaps Samson's mother didn't live long enough to see her son return to God, but, but he did return to God. And even in his 
final moments, he brought a victory to God and to his people. Centuries later, her son was regarded as a hero of faith in the New Testament, in the New Testament book of Hebrews chapter 11. Her son, her boy, who for years wandered from God, her boy is regarded as one of the great heroes of faith. Mothers, maybe your story of parenting is, you're going, man, wish they were heroes of the faith. They're not right now, not yet. But you keep serving Jesus and living for Jesus and praying for your children. And we trust God for redemption. I'd like all of you to stand, everyone here. If you're standing beside a mother, I should have had the mother stand first, but it's too late. If you're standing beside a mother, if you're a mother, would you, would you do this? Um, and I, I don't want necessarily people moving, although if you're pretty close by, go ahead and stand. Maybe your mom's not here. Maybe your mom's passed away. Now I want you to picture her in your mind. But if you're, stand, if you're a mother here this morning or an expectant mother, uh, raise your hands. Just hold it up high for a moment. Hold it up high so that other people around you can see it. If you're standing next to them, would you just, if, especially if you're family, just lay your hand on their shoulder. They won't mind. We're going to pray for the mothers here. Now, some of, you are, um, some of you are some distance from your mom. My mom's still living 300 and some miles away, but I'm, I'm picturing her in my mind right now. And I, w- I want to pray for my mom. Thank God for mothers. Now, Lord, as we close this service, we thank you and we, we rise up and we bless these mothers. We bless them and we ask that you, Lord, will guard their hearts, that they will not live under condemnation of what they could have done. For, Lord, if they are now in you, you have forgiven them for things done or things undone. I pray that they would not live under that heavy guilt of what I could have done differently, but rather will live with the awareness of what I can do now. I ask that they would know you. I ask, we pray that they will serve you, and we pray that they will be your intercessor on behalf of their children, their children's children, and their children's children's children. Lord, there are praying mothers and grandmothers here who are praying for children that they will never know. Praying for children who are far from you that they may not live long enough to see them come back to you. But Lord, I know that the prayers of a godly mother accomplishes much. So we ask your blessing upon them, especially today, whether they're here or some distance away. Lord, we thank you for mothers. We pray these things. Now, Lord, as we make our way out of this place and all the activities that are happening with mothers today, we ask your blessing upon that as well, and we thank you. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you, mothers. God bless you this morning. Go enjoy your families. Call your moms. God bless you. Serve Jesus with everything in you.